Put the fucking mic on. How we doing, folks? It's your boy, DP Barstool Sports Starting Nine, and you are listening to the End of the Bench. Scoot your ass down. Welcome to episode 86 of End of the Bench. On this episode, I'll discuss Kobe Bryant and Gianna Bryant's memorial service. Beautiful ceremony. Tons of people talked. Michael Jordan, Shaq, all the big names were there. We'll talk about that in detail. Also, Vontez Burfe is back in the NFL. Surprisingly, will he actually play though? Mad Bum has an alter ego that nobody expected. And of course, it's Tuesday. We have Bench Player of the Week. And it's definitely the best one we've ever had on the show. Like, by far. Before we talk about the main topic, which is the Wilder Fury fight, let's talk about Cannabolics. Cannabolics, they focus on using CBD to aid health and athletic performance while delivering the highest quality of CBD products and education in the industry. Now, we've talked about it for absolutely every single episode, how much we love that they are the number one performance-based CBD company in New York. That is hands down the honest truth. It works every time. The gel is great. The, the gummies, we keep raving about it. And guess what? I've been wearing the C- the Cannabolics beanie all week. It's been freezing. You know, you know, on Monday it was absolutely beautiful. It was really weird, but before that, like over the weekend, it was freezing. And I had to work in the city. It was so cold, and I was wearing the the beanie. They have t-shirts. They have all the merch you need, and of course, the products are great. And if you want to use, if you want to buy anything off their website, which is Cannabolics.org, use the promo code Bench for ten percent off. Your order. That's B N C H for ten percent off your. Go get some stuff, man. It's awesome. Go get it. Use bench ten percent off. Go do it. Cause I did it, and I'm gonna keep doing it. But go do it, like right now. First, listen to the podcast, and afterwards, you'll use ten percent off. But let's dive right in. Wilder Fury fight number two. This fight was viewed basically as the biggest heavyweight world title out since Lennox Lewis knocked out Mike Tyson, both who both whom were uh, you know were ringside watching the fight with a ton of celebrities. This fight, I'm not really into boxing. We've kind of I guess talked about it here and there on the podcast how boxing is kind of second class, well, absolutely is second class to the UFC. But these two boys, and Anthony Joshua, they. Those three guys have really helped the sport of boxing to come back to life. Now, we can all talk about Canelo Alvarez and Triple G, great fighters, but we everyone seems to love the big boys. The big boys bring the lights, the camera, and the action, without a doubt. And it got my attention and millions around the country, without a doubt. So, let's talk about the entrances first. The entrance... For both these guys, top notch. Wilder was wearing this 40-pound costume. It was like a heavy, almost like an armor almost. I mean, whatever you want to call it. But he had it, it, he wore it in tribute of Black History Month and had a, like, light, it was lighting up. It had this crazy mask on. The eyes were red. It was sick. But Wilder said that 
his legs were actually weakened by the costume being so heavy. If that's you want to say, then okay. And Deontay Wilder also said he's, um, you know, you know him saying. I'm trying to. Th- I'm like rethinking this because I was reading the notes. I was reading all the stuff. Is saying that you know what the fact that you kind of almost giving an excuse right away after you lose the fight, just naming one thing, um, a little weird. But honestly, a 40 pound costume is a little ridiculous. To be honest with you, I think it's a little ridiculous. Now Fury, on the other hand. Total alpha move came in on a throne. Well, it was such an alpha move. You know, a bunch of dudes holding uh, this big platform up while you're sitting in there. I mean, the guy's 273 pounds, 275 pounds. Think of the second heaviest f- fighter to win a fight ever. That's heavy, man. Carrying a guy on a platform like that in a chair and then he's sitting in it as well. Heavy, but such an alpha move. That I like that one more than Wilder. Clearly, Wilder was affected by his own costume, which is absolutely bonkerville. But let's talk about the fight. I'm at WFAN. I'm working my job, and uh, one of the guys there, shout out Pete. He's huge in the UFC and huge into um, into boxing. Well, not so huge in the boxing, more UFC, but he knows the sport of boxing. And I asked him when he walked by me. I said, "Hey, so what, who do you got tonight?" And he said he liked Wilder by knockout, which is not a stupid thing to say. I personally said I th- I thought Wilder would win it in the 11th or 12th round, basically by knockout. But I really wanted Fury to win. Wilder is huge. Super athletic. But it looks like he didn't have it. Now, I was listening to a bunch of podcasts and watching what I could on social media, some segments about, <coughs> excuse me, about the fight, watching other people's opinions. I had what my opinion was. I just want to hear from some experts so it wouldn't sway me. So I knew I, I knew my, my take on this, which I'll say in a second. But one thing that caught my eye or, you know, I, I really caught me was when I was listening to one of my favorite podcasts called The Fighter and the Kid with... Brendan Schaub and Brian Callen. Brian Callen, the 30-year veteran actor and comedian. And Brendan Schaub, who has just become a comedian, but also he was a former UFC fighter. So he knows the game of UFC and he knows boxing just from covering it. I listened to the show, and he said something super interesting, saying that as soon as he took off the mask from his costume, talking about uh, Wilder here, as soon as he took off the mask, he knew it. He knew right away. He he didn't look like he was ready. He didn't look like he wanted to be there. And that startled me for a second. You can just tell by someone's attitude. I mean, I mean, you can tell by anybody sometimes. I mean, I playing playing sports, you can tell when someone's not into it. But I don't know how you could tell that for a man like this, one of the best athletes in the world. Makes millions of dollars fighting, never lost, and you can notice that on someone's face, and they're just their their body. That's incredible, and at times you kind of saw that. But here, let's drop. Let's let's go down into three s- separate things I took away from this. Fury did a one-two punch on a right hook on Wilder, which dropped him in the third round. I want to say. I was absolutely stunned by that. 
I honestly thought Wilder would be a little more quicker than that. But the one-two right hook caught Wilder right away. Then Fury drops him again in round five with a body shot. A couple, heads, couple shots to the face, and they gave him a quick body shot. He falls down again. And then the, the world's craziest part of all is Fury in round six. They're in, they're in a grapple. They're, they're kind of they're chest to chest. They're grappling on top of each other. And Fury then licks his neck. Wild move. Wild move by Fury. He's like a vampire. Is a vampire or is he Fury? I don't know who he is. Tyson Fury, wild man. Al for blood, and he'll taste it too. Give me some more. But that's just like the... That's the part of the entertainment, right? I mean, remember when we... I mean, I wasn't alive then, but seeing highlights from over my lifetime, watching the Tyson fights, biting the ear of... um, you know, just biting the ear off and then just and kind of making the scene. Vander Holyfield, I couldn't think of the name. I'm like, what are you doing, dude? Like, that is wild shit. And this just like it's a fury thing, adding to the hype of the fight and then doing the licking of the neck, licking the blood, hysterical, wild shit. Just a little extra, just like what Tyson did. But Tyson's also a psychopath. But Fury, seeing the opportunity right there, kind of get in his head. Such a bold move, another alpha move, and I thought right there and there that this was this was Fury's fight. Wilder looked like he really wasn't ready for anything that Fury was coming with, and then the licking in the neck, which how people think is the weirdest thing, which I totally agree, but seeing him do that basically said, "I'm I own this fight. You are mine. You are not going to win this." But there were still six rounds to go. But after the seventh round, with about a minute 39 to go, Wilder's team, his coaches, threw in the towel, fight over, Fury wins. At the stoppage time, Fury was in the lead, 59-52, on two scorecards. And I shut out, despite the, the point deduction, and then the and then there was a 58-53 scorecard on the third one. ESPN also had Fury leading 59-52. Now you talk about the winnings, right? This was, I mean, you guys remember listening and watching the Mayweather-Pacquiao. We all know the guys were walking out with at least $50 million. I mean, Mayweather, yeah, Mayweather I think, walked out $100 million one time or $90 million, $70 million. It's a lot of money, huge pay cut. Now, this deal for the fight was a 50-50 split with each man guaranteeing at least $25 million plus a share of the profits from the joint ESPN Fox pay-per-view. $25 million is not a bad way. I mean, Wilder losing... 25 million, not a bad day, but you got your first loss. Now, some post fight comments. Tyson Fury, alpha move in the beginning, alpha move during the fight, and alpha moves after the fight. Got the whole crowd singing. It's karaoke night. He's partying after the fact in clubs. He's making the whole club sing. Loved it. I honestly thought he was singing the whole song. Like I think he was going to go like 8 to 10 minutes singing. But he did his thing. He mentioned 
a lot about how Wilder will be back. He said he will be back. He will be a champion again. But I will say this. The king has returned to the top of the throne. And that is the perfect comment to sum up his entrance, him in the, in the ring, and then out of the ring in the winner's circle. What a great comment. He will be back. He will be champion again. But I will say the king has returned to the top of the throne. Bold statement. Now, Wilder, who needed seven stitches to close a giant cut inside his left ear, said that he thought the first knockdown, which was in the third, was from an illegal punch behind the head of Fury, who who hit him illegally seven times. I don't know. I I look. I'll be honest. I'm going to say it right now. I'm not a boxing aficionado. I don't know everything. I don't know why Wilder would keep saying some stuff that might be not so precise or he might not know everything. These are just in-the-moment comments. But in general, both these guys actually kind of like each other. There is, of course, the competitiveness, right? There is a competitiveness. There is a lot of smack talk, and that's what people want to see. That's what promoters want to have happen. This is what TV ratings want. They want the smack talk, the hate, the whatever, but there's a genuine respect between them both when it's all said and done. Now, a lot of fighters in the past don't have that same respect. Like Muhammad Ali, I'm sure he didn't respect all of his opponents. Sure, you want to kick ass every single time. This is a little different, though. These guys actually respect each other. But of course, when you get in the ring and then outside the ring and the promos and everything, the shit talk really starts. I totally believe that. But here's some comments on Wilder on the fight. He said, Even the greatest have lost and come back. This is just part of it, Wilder said. You just take it for what it is. I can make no excuses tonight. I have I had a lot of comp of um excuse me misquote here, but we'll come back strong together next time around. This is what big time boxing is all about, which it absolutely is. The best must fight the best. I appreciate all the fans that came out and supported the show, and I hope everyone gets home safely. This is a comment like moments after the fight's over. This is perfect. Absolutely perfect comment to say. This is what boxing is all about. The best must fight the best. But what? Oh, but we'll come back next time around and stronger. Right when I heard that comment, I said, there's got to be a chance that there's got to be a third fight, right? I read some things. I listened to some things. So there is a part of the contract. For a third fight. Now Wilder, you know, would have thirty days to exercise his option for an immediate rematch, for which then Fury would have the advantage when it comes to the money splitting up sixty forty Fury, because he is the one this past winner. Well, it only took one day, people, for Deontay Wilder to say, "Let's go for round three. He said that he will definitely exercise his right to an immediate third round, third fight with Tyson Fury. 
Now, Wilder could have decided to back out. But no, this is what boxing wants. This is what everybody wants. I want this so bad, and we got it. We didn't have to wait that long. We, we waited 24 hours to hear it. 48 hours. Whatever you want to think of. We didn't, we, it didn't take long, which is great for the game of boxing. Who's going to win it, though? We will have to wait. I'm sure we're going to find out a date in the next maybe month or so, maybe maybe more. Maybe probably a little more than that, probably three or four months. But I give a lot of respect for Tyson Fury. Now, if you haven't listened to this interview, I suggest you should. I listened to an interview with Tyson Fury and the amazing Rich Eisen. Rich Eisen's one of my favorite broadcasters, favorite TV sports hosts there is. Probably one of the most well-respected. Now, at the peak of his game, like this is this is still we're at we're at the best of Tyson Fury. But the years ago, when he was the best of the best, nobody was beating. He was winning every single fight. Tyson Fury had some serious mental health issues. Not because of head injuries, this, that, and the other. He was a healthy man. But mentally, he wasn't there. He said just about every single day he wanted to take his own life. Now, this is a guy on the top of his game. The top athlete at his sport. The best that there is today. Making millions of dollars doing what he loves and what he's always wanted to do as a kid. But he still had feelings about taking his own life. You can't I can't imagine someone actually feeling like this when they're doing exactly what they want to do, making all the money they want, supporting their families and their families' families throughout the whole family, everyone's getting theirs. And still he is finding a way to think that he is not worthy enough to live on this planet anymore. He said the story when he realized that it needed time for him to to talk to somebody professionally was he was driving in his sports car and he was going, ah, I, I forgot exactly how fast he was going, but he was going fast enough that it made you uncomfortable to get yourself in a car accident, to hurt yourself. Let's just say it was uh, it was over a hundred miles an hour, and he said that right then and there, going that fast, I'm gonna do it. It's over. I'm gonna end it right now. And then there was something in the back of my mind, back of his mind, told him, "Let's not do this. I have kids. I've worked hard to where I am today. Why waste it?" He then said to pull, he pulled over on the side of the road, called his father. His father picked him up, and the big big guy that, himself, that, that, that he is, 273 pounds, 6'9", was bawling his eyes out in his dad's arms. He went to go see somebody, and he said something pretty interesting. I'm not going to quote him exactly, but he went on to say something like this, that mental health really never goes away, right? Which I agree and disagree with that. Mental health really doesn't go away. You just got to keep working on it. It's always going to be there with you. You always have these feelings. But the fact that he 
is is here today still showing the world that he is still the biggest and best heavyweight fighter on the planet and even a great dad and a great husband and a great family man is is amazing it takes a lot of balls man it takes a lot of balls it takes a lot of courage bravery to come out and say that as a public figure like he is to have all this going on in his head and then to come out and win this is absolutely astonishing. It's absolutely amazing. It's one of the best sports moments of the year, in my opinion. And we're only in February. It really gets me emotional. But this is what you love to see. He's fighting these giant human beings. But the real fight was his mental health. The fight against himself is a lot harder than the fight against Deontay Wilder. And that's just the fact of the matter. That's the fact. That's just facts. And the fact that he fought through that is absolutely incredible. And he's still here today is a, is a miracle. It's amazing. I've won, I wanted him to fight. I didn't think he was going to win. And he proved me wrong. He proved a lot of people wrong. I am now a bigger... Tyson Fury fan today than I was before the fight. Unbelievable fight. Great story. I can't wait. Can not wait for the third and most likely final match between these two unbelievable heavyweights. Let's get into the NBA now. Kobe Bryant, we all know, passed away earlier uh, in late January. And on 224 on February 24th, there was a memorial service at the Staples Center, and it was beyond moving. You had Kobe's wife, Vanessa Bryant, Michael Jordan, Shaq, Diana Taurasi, amongst many others, to speak at the service. Memorial was led with Beyonce singing a melody of XO and Halo, one of her one of their best songs. I didn't watch this live. I was at work, but I watched it on my cell phone. I watched the the highlights on Twitter and Instagram. Absolutely it was like tearing up. It was it was so moving. So moving. You have the entire crowd. The entire Staples Center was filled. Unbelievable stuff. You also had Alicia Keys and Christina Aguilera perform as well. I mean, I, I Beyonce, when she started singing, I'm telling you, it was the first three seconds. Goosebumps. My hair, my my arms were raised, were raised up. I was in full goosebumps mode. I was locked in, and I was get, I was crying. I'm not gonna lie to you guys. I was crying. It was emotional as can be. Now let's go on to the speeches now. Vanessa Bryant, you are a strong woman. Unbelievable. And I know you've probably been hearing that for weeks now. And you're going to keep hearing that forever. You standing up there and talking in front of Kobe's former teammates, his former friends, his family, 
and the entire arena filled with fans and millions of people across the world watching. I can't imagine. Look, it's definitely hard. I'm not going to like, I don't know how she feels, but I, I can tell it just by watching. It was extremely hard for her to do that. She said some beautiful words about Gigi and then talked about Kobe for a while. Then Michael Jordan held her hand walking down. Touchy moment. Michael was crying. He made a funny comment about how, if you guys remember when he was inducted to the Hall of Fame, Jordan was crying, bawling his eyes out like a little baby. Real emotional. And then his face became a meme, which is one of the more, more famous memes ever. The Jordan crying face. And then Jordan started crying again. And he's like, I can't believe it. I'm going to probably have another meme of my face crying again. And it made the whole crowd laugh. And it kind of uplifted everybody. Now, Shaq was a longtime teammate of Kobe's, won some titles, had some differences over the years, but they settled the beef and there's no beef anymore. And Shaq, being the lovable guy he is, he told some heartwarming stories, some sad stories, and some funny ones, too. And one of the funniest one I heard from this, and it's probably the, one of the best things to come from this, is that Kobe, you know, we all know Kobe as Kobe Bryant fans and basketball fans around the world know Kobe really wasn't the guy to pass a lot, right? Kobe was a strict shooter. He was a scorer and the best to ever do it. So Kobe wasn't really passing the ball in this story. Right or at the time, so his teammates asked Shaq if you could say something because no one really had the balls or the power to stand up to Kobe and tell him to do something. So big boy Shaq, the Diesel, Aristotle, Superman, was like all right, I got this, boys. He went up and said, "I told Kobe there's no I in team." Kobe would then said, I know, but there's a me in that motherfucker. I didn't really say it that well, but he said, I know that I know what there's a me in that motherfucker. And the whole crowd was laughing. Shaq just said to the team, just get the rebound. He's not passing. And that's the first time that Shaq gained respect for Kobe. That's what Kobe was, man. He was a scorer. He took the team on his back. That's what he was. For Diana Taurasi, she's told stories about how Gigi was going to be this unbelievable player for women's basketball, WNBA in college, and play at UConn just like Diana Taurasi did. Be this movement, have this movement for women's basketball and women's sports and leading women proudly in athletics. And I can tell you this, like I, I think she could have done it from watching her highlights. She was unbelievable, unbelievable player. For her age. Which is a very moving moment. Now to follow this story. About the memorial uh, service. Vanessa Bryant files also a lawsuit. For a wrongful death suit. Against the company that operated the helicopters. In the crash that killed Kobe. Gianna and the others. Seven others that died. The pilot was negligent in eight different ways, including failing to properly assess the weather, flying into conditions he wasn't cleared 
for and failing to control the helicopter. Those are just some. It was filed the morning that a pub, it was also it was actually filed that morning of the memorial service for Kobe Bryant and his daughters and all the victims. But will this actually lawsuit actually go the way that Vanessa wants it to go? Now, under the visual flight rules that the pilot was following, he was required to see where he was going, and the pilot was cited by the FAA in May of 2015 for violating those flying rules. So this is it's happened once before, but I can tell you this: Vanessa Bryant's going to win this lawsuit without a doubt. Now, the pilot has mentioned times time again that he is he was absolutely trained to fly conditions like this. But if you have a an actual understanding of what you're looking at, if it's hard to see, why don't we not fly? Why don't we take a break today? Let's drive. Let's be a little late. Not in the world. But Vanessa Bryant, I think she'll actually win this lawsuit. It's going to be a long one. I can tell you this. It's going to take a long, long time. You're battling with the FAA here. You're battling with this helicopter company. Without a doubt, it's going to take a long, long time for this to unfold. First, for another situation that seemed like it took a long time was the NFL reinstating Vontez Burfitt. Vontez Burfitt was honestly quietly... It was he's been out for a long time since week four, but you really didn't understand until I read this article. I was like, "Damn, he's he's reinstated!" And it was last month he was reinstated into the NFL after a twelve game suspension, and he wants to play in twenty twenty. Burford, who played for the Raiders last season, was suspended for a week four hit on Indianapolis's tight end Jack Doyle. He was ejected from the game and then suspended for the rest of the season. 29-year-old Burfitt is set to be an unrestricted free agent next month. My question to everyone listening is, do you guys think he'll play again? Vontez Burfitt is a Bengals linebacker. Overall athlete, pretty damn good. Human being, not so much. Vontez has a history of knocking guys out, hurting players, Juju Smith-Schuster, Antonio Brown, just to name two, and many others over the years of him playing up-the-middle hits, blindside hits, helmet-to-helmet contact. And now going to Oakland Raiders, he did it again on Jack Doyle. Honestly, the suspension was absolutely perfect. A year, see you later, Dunzo. People were—I mean, I, I heard you know the Twitter Twitter fingers were going off. Everyone, these people on Twitter who think they have an opinion were saying, "Suspend him for life, ban him from the NFL." He does it again. I, I at one point I agree with it. I think it's enough's enough. But now since he's back, he's reinstated. I honestly think he won't be playing again. Because I don't think teams are going to want to waste their money, waste their time, their effort of negotiating. It's Then they're going through training camp, OTAs. Everyone's going through all the process. Fontes is becoming a leader again. He's leading these other, the defense. And then back in, and then you, next thing you know, it's week five, and he hits another helmet-to-helmet contact, targeting, whatever. He's out again. It's a wasted roster spot. 
imagine a team that needed a linebacker, right? So, all right, we get Vontes. That fulfilled our, our linebacker spot, which was weak, really weak, and we get a good good linebacker there. He's suspended in week five, week six, whatever. Just an example. We're back to no linebackers, nothing. Our weakest spot is now weak again. Imagine that. I think teams are going to have a, like enough's enough. If I'm a GM, I'm not going near this guy. I don't think he's a team leader. I've heard people say that he is a team leader. He's a guy that you want in the locker room, leading young defensive guys on your roster. I absolutely disagree with that. He's a dirtbag, dirty player. All he wants to do is hit guys illegally, and that's it. That's all he wants to do. I can't think of a, a worse situation for a team. It's either you, you sign Antonio Brown or Vontez Burkford. Those are two players you don't want on your roster at all. Vontez Burford, dirty player. Get him off the field. He's, in my opinion, will never play another snap of football. I would love some GM to prove me wrong and and sign this guy for a multi-year deal. I can't wait to see someone do that. I really personally think no one's going to do that. But if it actually happens, I'm going to laugh and I'm going to say it's not going to last long. On a lighter note, Let's talk about Madison Baumgartner. Mentioned at the top of the, po- of the podcast about his alter ego. Madison Baumgartner, if you don't know who he is, played for the San Francisco Giants for a very long time. This is his first year on a new deal, new team with the D-backs. Five-year deal, ton of money. World Series champion, lowest ERA in postseason history is 0-2-5. Unbelievable pitcher, left-handed pitcher, and he's a dog. It's a workhorse. It's hard to find a left-handed workhorse in the league. But some things you just don't know about Mad Bum. He's a big country guy. Loves to be loves to be outdoors. We'll talk about an incident he had in the outdoors a couple of years ago. This one absolutely shocked me. It was unbelievable. The D-back starter revealed that he competes in rodeo events under a fake name called Mason Saunders. And Mason Saunders has won several events over the years. He got the name by combining a shortened version of his first name with his wife's maiden name. He said that he has been Roping as a rodeo guy since his mid-teens long enough that it's a part of who you are kind of situation here. It's part of who he is. That's a quote. He has been competing in rodeos for some time, including during his MLB career. Baumgartner, who has been frequently recognized in rodeo events, is the reason why he changed his name has won over $26,000 in competitions in Wickenburg, Arizona, about two weeks ago before he signed with the D-backs. And he said that he might pursue this as a career after his MLB career, and he's actually very, very serious about it. But how are you, this is hysterical, how are you competing in events 
two weeks before you get signed to a multi-year deal worth a ton of money. How do you do that? How do you have a, a brain? You can get hurt. Oh, but do you guys remember this? Back in the day, Mabom got in an ATV accident. He landed directly on his pitching shoulder, spraining his AC joint, and he also had bruised ribs. Mad bum, dude. Why don't you wait until you're done, dude? Like, oh, it blows my mind. I know this is part of your life, part of who you are. I am this rodeo guy. I am love flinging the rope. I don't even know how. I don't even know how you say it. Why don't you just like take it a you can do it like not competitively, but it's like it's like playing pickup basketball. Not even pickup basketball. You're shooting around by yourself. You're not really going hard. You're just taking some shots. You're having some fun. Mad Bum, why don't you kind of just do it by yourself? Do it with some family. You know, if it's a family day kind of thing, do it with your friends. Not do it competitively where you can actually really hurt yourself, right? You got millions of dollars on the line. You won $26,000 in the competition two weeks ago. You made $26,000 like every fourth pitch. I don't even like, 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 Mark, what's his name? David Price is making $30 million to start. You're making a ton of money each year. Why don't you just take it easy? Mason Saunders, why don't you take it easy? All right. Unbelievable story, though. All timer. All time story. Now, in our last episode, mentioned that we're talking about the AL East, and we actually couldn't record episode 86 on, on, on Friday's episode where it was supposed to drop. We had some issues with the recording devices. But, like I said, Thursday, we record Thursday, drops Friday. Friday, we will talk about the AL East, the offseason standings, who's going to win the AL East. We did the uh, we did the NL East a couple weeks ago. Some of the addition, subtractions, how the diff- how division may shape up in 2020. So let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll do special segments after the break. back special cyber time you know what it is let's start off of course with bench player of the week this is number one of the year the number one bench player of the week by far i think this could be the best bench player of the week of all time nothing i really nothing could beat this unless we see like uh, a, a little league player play in the pros and strike out Mike Trout. Like, that would be number one. But this one, 42-year-old David Ayers comes into the game for the Carolina Hurricanes as an emergency backup goalie versus the Maple Leafs. David Ayers is a Zamboni driver. A Zamboni driver. For the Hurricanes, the highest level of hockey was Junior B, is the highest level Ayers has ever played in. He made eight saves, let up two goals, but helped the Hurricanes win 6-3 against Toronto. Toronto's team is dirty. Tavares, 
Matthews, team is dirty. And he helped them win the game. What a wild story. I'm at work on Saturday night. I'm, j- I'm just finishing watching the, the, the Islander game going on. I think the Islanders were playing. I don't know. Oh, no, it was the Rangers game I was watching. Watch the Rangers play. Unbelievable game. Rangers won. It was a good game. Yeah, Islanders did not play. Rangers played. And I'm on Twitter. And hockey Twitter, a lot of people know, hockey Twitter is pretty crazy. And I'm scrolling through. And I see this, like, David Ayers is like, trending on Twitter. I'm like, what the hell is it? Who is this guy? A 42-year-old Zimboni driver. You can't make this up. And this was 40 years to the day of the miracle on ice. This is another miracle on ice. Unbelievable moment. Now, 15 years ago, he needed a kidney transplant and received the kidney that he needed from his own mom. This is a Hollywood story in a nutshell. I can see Disney doing their own story, just like they did Miracle. This is going to be the only story that's going to be winning awards. I swear to God, it's going to be amazing. Now, David's going to be getting his royalties from uh, his jersey. It's going to be selling now with number 90 in the back. But all the royalties will be going to a kidney foundation that will be, I guess, in the in the North, in the Carolina area, in the Raleigh area. Of um, so uh, all the proceeds, all the all the royalties will be going to some sort of foundation that has to do with kidneys and or that's what he was saying on today and saying on social media as well. It's an unbelievable story. It's by far the best bench player of the week nominee winner of all time. I'm serious. I don't see another person having a better one like this. We've had backup quarterbacks do their thing, turn into starters. We've had role players score 30 or more. This is the best one. Guys running unbelievable games, playing game, amazing games in the Super Bowl. No, this is number one by far. Nothing will beat it. Congratulations. We'll be doing another graphic, tagging you, posting on Instagram and Twitter. You name it. It'll be there. We want to be part of the cause. Amazing story. Combine news, combine startings very soon, and Joe Burrow is trolling. I don't think this man would be in the combine, but he's tweeting out hand sizes. He he tweeted out, considering retirement after I was informed the football will be slipping out of my tiny hands, please keep me in your thoughts. I mean, your thoughts. You know, this is a sad day for Joe Burrow, sad day for football. And the fact that hand sizes are, are... so important is pretty funny. I think what's his name for Georgia? Jake Fromm had under nine inches. Let's keep him in the thoughts too. He probably have a horrible career. Besides the hands, I really don't think he'll have a good career. But this is this is just trolling one on one. It's amazing. Everyone's getting troll. Everyone's getting pissed about this. Pat Mahomes tweeted this out, like retweeted, wrote his own comment, thought it was very funny. I think he had like under nine or something, I don't know, but the, the the nine like the the hand size rule determines you're a good player or not is absolutely hilarious. How stupid that is! So so dumb. Another segment. I don't know what to say. Is a new segment title. We're working and we're tweaking it. I don't know what to say. To this Cleveland Browns mascot Swagger, the former one, had an open 
casket funeral that was streaming live on Facebook. How do you... I don't know what to say to this thing, dude. This is absolutely bonkers. Open casket for a dog live on Facebook. Super weird. This is the most Cleveland Browns thing of all time. Look, you know, they dressed Baker Mayfield to get, you know, all these great players, Odell and Jarvis Landry, they're going to get him. You know, it looks like they'll have a bounce back season after a rough season. And then off season, you add this in there. What are we doing, Cleveland? What are we doing? Your place already sucks to begin with. No one wants to be in Cleveland. Cleveland Browns stink. And let's add this to the list of let's just make it weird. Keep making it weird. Maybe that's new. Maybe that's a new title. Let's keep it weird. Maybe that's a new one. Let's keep it weird. I'll write that one down. Let's, where's the pen? Let's keep it weird. Let's keep it weird. Okay. Working title. We should put a, a vote out. I don't know what to say, or let's keep it weird. Look at that. Just making just making things up as I go. Let's keep it weird. Perfect. Yeah. Um, let's not do open caskets on anybody, if it's an animal or a human being, on live stream. We have weird things that are already with live streams. It's video games. If it's other shit that not, should not be live streamed, and this is in the category of other shit that should not be live streamed. Very, very weird. I don't I don't know what to say. Let's keep it weird. Don't know what to say. Right, let's keep it weird. I don't know what title we're working with. I'll have to ask other boys. Clearly, if you've been, if you've been listening the entire time, it's just been me. Other guys are not making it tonight. It's just me tonight. Now, to end off the podcast, ball of the week. We I think we've done this once before, but this is basically is it's kind of like a top performer, but... Because of Kobe Bryant and how he balled out every single night he played basketball, this is kind of goes for every sport. But just it's a Kobe Bryant kind of category, balling out guy who just balls out no matter what, hurt, injured, balls out every night. This one goes to Pacers guard Jeremy Lamb. He tore his ACL and also tore his lateral meniscus in his knee, which then fractured, and then he continued to play. The torn ACL. He shot two free throws before leaving the game. That's mob mentality shit. Remember when Kobe Bryant tore his Achilles? This is a mob mentality shit. Tore his Achilles and then proceeded to the free throws, hobbled off on his own power. Jeremy Lamb, this is your time, bro. You're out for the year, but you ended the year on a high note, hurt, taking free throws. Baller of the week by far. Hope everyone enjoyed the podcast. My last words are. Tyson Fury, you the man. Respect you. Big ups. Respect you big time. We'll catch everyone on Friday's pod. We're talking AL East and more crazy and wild stories in the world of sports. Catch you on Friday. Peace.
Ich bin <lacht>